I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Welcome to The Gospel Life with Pastors Rob Mayer and Kyle Rogers. Today's episode, Preaching. Joining us today is Gospel Life's own Luke Wilbanks, longtime faithful servant of Gospel Life, deacon, elder candidate, preacher, and dear friend. Luke, wonderful to have you with us. Welcome. Good to be here with you guys. Hello, Hello, Rob and Kyle, welcome. <laughs> Always yeah. good to be here. Man, it's awesome being here. Endure suffering to do the work of an evangelist? Why on earth would anyone <laughs> want to sign up for that? <laughs> Seriously, why are we doing <laughs> I think we already paused because we were asking that question. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, what is an evangelist? Evangelist is someone who's proclaiming God's word, proclaiming the gospel, declaring the truths of who God is and what he's done. The evangelon good news. That's right, yeah. man. So uh, I guess we're going to connect that to some suffering. It's a difficult role to play, but it's vital role. Um, it is how God not only helps people understand who he is and what he has done through the spoken word, but that's how God has always worked. God has always worked through the proclaiming of his word. He creates by his word. God is the first preacher. God speaks things into existence. Mm. And we see he calls, Amen. he calls faithful men to preach the gospel, to preach the word of God. I mean, we see right here in 2 Timothy 4, 2, I think you read some of it. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, correct, exhort, and with complete patience mm. and teaching. That's exactly, and that's how the first, the, 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 the church started through Peter preaching. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, preaching the word of God. And people were convicted to the heart. They were baptized. They were saved and baptized. And God has always worked through the preaching of his word. Amen. It says, fulfill your ministry. Let me ask you, our guest, Luke Wilbanks, welcome again. What led you to preaching, to want to preach? Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, originally, um, I, I had no desire to preach um, I always thought I was called to be a missionary, but I was very confused in my theology <laughs> because a missionary is called to go and preach the gospel. <laughs> and so uh, uh, God corrected me on while I was on mission, um, speaking at churches all along the way. And even though I was called to speak at churches um, for, on behalf of children who were suffering, working with World Vision, what came out of my mouth inevitably every single time was the gospel. And I saw people changed from up there. And uh, when I got home, um, still not necessarily, quote unquote, feeling the call, um, I, I heard a message from another pastor from the book of Hebrews, and it, it struck a match 
mm-hmm. on the kindling pile that God had been building for years. Wow, praise God. And it, it went to flames. And I remember I was dating my wife at the time. Uh, we didn't know each other well, but we were listening to it together in a car. And I started weeping and screaming <laughs> and crying and yelling at the top of my lungs, so excited. Um, she said, pull over and let me no, out. No, <laughs> pretty much. I, I, she stayed Who with me somehow, guy? some way. But but it, something struck and I was just screaming, yes, yes, Amen. yes, and crying. And um, that's it, man. I, God has um, since then given me opportunity to speak. Um, and I think that's the... That's the beautiful thing is I, I don't go out looking for it because ultimately there is a suffering. But when God calls you to something, um, he gives you um, opportunity, especially when others um, call you to that. So, Amen, Pastors Rob and Kyle. How about you guys? Rob, what, what uh, out of scripture or from the Holy Spirit or what came along uh, in your path that said, this is, this is what I'm going to do? I feel like uh, I'm supposed to be a preacher. Well, it's interesting because like Luke said, you know, if we're believers in Jesus, we're all, we're all preaching. You know, nobody speaks to you more than you, so you're preaching to yourself. So you are a preacher of something. Let me clarify. You're saying things to yourself. Preaching and talking to yourself are very different. Uh, Lecturing and preaching are very different, too. Uh, Telling people what to do is not preaching. Preaching is very unique. But we're all preachers. In, in, in a sense, we're saying something or we're speaking something. And especially as believers in Jesus, we're called to preach, preach the gospel. We're supposed to declare the good news of Jesus one person to another. But there's a unique role inside the church because the preaching of the word of God. That's why, you know, Paul tells Timothy, who's a young pastor, He's saying, okay, this is the word of God is the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ is this cornerstone, but the word of God is the foundation. And this is what the church, this is how the church grows. This is how the church thrives. This is how people are saved and sanctified through the proclamation of the word of God. That's why he says, preach the word, be ready all times. And you use the word to reprove people, to rebuke people, to exhort people, encourage people. And you do this all the time, never ceasing. That is vitally important. And that's, I mean, for me, um, I think God gives us some natural giftings. And so, so we can, you know, possibly find ourselves um, in, in, in roles, you know, where we we, we kind of start discerning, but there's a passion and there's a call to proclaim God's word. There, And I say there's a passion, but there's also a call and there's an affirmation of that call within the context mm-hmm. of the local church. Yeah. And that's why having good communication skills doesn't make you a preacher. Sure. Yes, 100%. Being, knowing a lot yes. of from God's word, yeah. lecturing yeah. or leading a Bible doesn't make you a preacher because yeah. preaching is much different. Yep than lecturing or telling good stories or even people liking to hear you talk. (laughs) How and when when did that call play out in your life? Man, good question. Um, I just kind of found myself there. I just kind of found myself with a crowd of people. Um, Started, uh, you know, I was teaching and felt the call of, 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 sharing the gospel with junior high kids, kids that I was, uh, you know, um, God had placed me in their midst as a teacher, a PE teacher down in Ording. And we started Young Life and and you got to give a message. And everybody kind of looked at me and goes, think you might be the guy. And I said, that sounds good to me. I love God's word. Um, I'm really growing as I'm in God's word a lot. And so I'll share 
from there. And, and Young Life kind of helped me. A guy named Pat Rhodes was just a guy that affirmed that call and, uh, and affirmed the gift of that and, and kind of helped me shape. Another guy named Lance Powers, who was church planting in Ording at that time, took me under his wing and showed me how to formulate you know, a, a sermon because there is structure to a sermon. It's just not let's willy-nilly point our finger and start going. You know, we have to learn structure. We have to learn how to interpret the text. And that will lead us to the type of preaching that we actually believe is biblical preaching, that God's word says, this is how you preach. But that's really how the Lord led me and began exercising that gift that was more and more affirmed. And then really realized, wow, there's a, there's a, this is a huge call. And uh, there's, there's some suffering that comes a lot with it, but it's worth it. And God was saving people. God was uh, restoring Amen. people through the proclamation of his word. Yeah. And so that's, that's really how it kind of started nice. for me. That's Wonderful. Cool. Pastor Kyle, how about you? Yeah, I never wanted to be a preacher. <laughs> I am not gifted in communication. I don't enjoy that. I wouldn't have ever chosen it ever once in my life. But as a young kid, I loved God's word. I remember being a junior high kid and a high school kid. And I just came across these the other day, but I have these journals that got tucked away in a box. And it's like these line journals that just have Bible verses written out by my hand as a junior high kid and high school kid, just because I love the word of God. Awesome. And it was cool to see because I remembered, oh yeah, <laughs> like great. Kyle loved God's word. I love God's wow. word. I was a weird kid, man. I remember <laughs> yeah. dating a girl in high school and sitting on the 50 yard line at Rogers High School up on the South Hill and reading the Bible with her. <laughs> like, I remember at lunch leading a Bible study wow. of yeah. kids at Rogers High School. Like, And it grew to this huge prayer Bible study thing in the choir room at Rogers. I just loved mm, God's word. So but I freaking hate talking in front of people. <laughs> I can't stand it. So I went off to college loving God's word. I would say loving the the personal ministry of God's word, not the private ministry of it, because God's word's never private, but the personal application of it, talking with individuals about it. But then I found myself serving in a junior high ministry at a place called Christ the King in Bellingham. Guy told me, hey, you're preaching next Sunday for the, these junior high kids. So I preached out of Isaiah 58 and I got up there and I preached. I did my deal first time I ever did it. And I got down and he came up to me afterwards and he said, man, that was bad. <laughs> that was not good. But keep going because I see something that God's stirring in you. I see God drawing something out of you. I see him wanting to help you. So from that, it was doing that in junior high ministry up in Bellingham. I served with Rob in a youth ministry and he gave me the opportunity to preach to high school kids. For two years, every Sunday, I taught high school kids from God's word. And in that, my insecurities of self started to fade away as my love for God's word and my declaration of the good news of the gospel, my affection for that grew more important than how I saw myself. Amen. So the act of preaching has been a a journey of self-forgetfulness mm. and I struggle with it. I struggle because if it was up to me, I hate talking into microphones, but the good news of the gospel is so good. It has to be declared. So that's, but that's been my journey. Yeah. God called me and it is not a natural gift. He's given me. It is a spirit led gift. That's been by faith I, all well, the way. <laughs> I would want to rebuke you, frankly, because I feel like it is a natural gift. You said you're not a good communicator. I think you're an exceptional communicator. So, well, I think that's Christ alive in Amen. me. And I think that's what I'm celebrating because in the natural, I, I am insecure. I stumble over my words. I'm so focused on my appearance, approval, all these things. But because of Jesus alive in me, I'm being set free in those things. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I want to ask, you know, if somebody's discerning the call, did you guys 
I would consistently read the Word of God and I would do my exegesis of the text. I would look at it and go, okay, how do I apply this to my own life? But then shortly after, I would go, how do I tell others about this? Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I wonder if that's, if that's uh, common, mm-hmm. you know, for, for maybe guy, uh, you, know, you know, people that, that God's calling mm-hmm. to, to the ministry of, of, of preaching the word of God. Yeah. Did you guys ever feel that way? Yeah, I think the, how the word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think God has a certain way of stirring. The, the word's given to exhort, to teach. Mm-hmm. He exhorts us in such a way that it stirs within us that we can't help but share it. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's part of it. And that you could be called more than, that's just not just a preacher, but I think in preaching, as we wrestle through a text, it is the stirring in our heart that yeah. we can't keep it inside our mouths. Yeah. He stirred our hearts that it may flow out mm-hmm. from the abundance of our heart. But yeah. I think the why is essential there. Because I've talked to guys that they just love talking about what they're learning in mm-hmm. God's word f- to hear themselves talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's stirring up in my heart and overflowing. I'm sharing it because I want people to be saved yeah. and I want them to grow in godliness. Yeah. I'm reading God's good. word and I'm not just saying, I want to tell you how much I know and how much I've learned. There's plenty of people out there doing that. But I read it and I go, oh, this person needs to hear this. Totally. They need to know Jesus. This person needs to hear this in their mourning or in their struggle for the sake of sanctification. The why I think is really important and to evaluate that. Mm -hmm. That's key. Yeah. And if you've been plucked from the ocean and saved, and then you see others out there drowning, you want them to be saved. I think you want to extend love and care and mercy that they would know it from Jesus. Mm -hmm. In that passage we read there in the opening, it talks about suffering, enduring suffering. How about you guys as preachers, if you'd be willing to share, what kind of suffering have you experienced? Luke, how about you? Oh man. Um, yeah, it. The problem with with preaching is you have to deal with the text with your own heart first, <laughs> and the wrestling throughout the week of that to to be exposed for who you really are, mm-hmm. is part of the suffering. To go into repentance yourself, like that, that the, to let the Bible rebuke you first, reprove, correct, teach you. So before, some disciplining and so. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that. That takes time, and that's part of the suffering as well. Is we have families, I have a full time job and a business on the side, and city councilman, and the suffering is you will spend hours upon hours upon hours screaming out to God, help me here, God, give me insight, feed your people, and it feels in a way like suffering. It's joyful suffering. I wouldn't trade it. Like when I get to dive into a text the most glorious like week of swimming ever, hmm. but there's stuff in that water that's that, that will bring about suffering and it's especially exposing who you really are. And, and none of us want that naturally. Hmm. And, um, I'm thankful for it, but that's part of it. And it's sacrifice, sacrifice for my wife yeah. to give up time for my kids to not see their dad during that time. And so, um, there's levels, but, um, they can talk about the suffering that comes after you preach it. (laughs) Amen. And that's heavy. Thank you. Uh, Rob, how about you? Yeah, I would agree with everything that Luke is saying. Um, God's word is how he saves people, how he forms people, sanctifies people, uh, grows his church. He does this all through his holy, inerrant, infallible, inspired word. Therefore, if in the preparation of preparing to be faithful to that, there's absolutely going to be spiritual attack. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm not <laughs> typically yeah. a very uh, a person that can concentrate very long. Kind of uh, maybe got a little ADD before it was diagnosed, and so I have a hard time focusing. And it's hard work. Yeah to examine the the biblical historical context which is ground level of faithful preaching understanding the original audience understanding how the language that it was originally written in is, is needs to be understood um, and then how to connect it to people's lives i mean that is hard work so i mean luke's saying it takes time so that is some suffering, takes some sacrifice. I mean, for me to put together a sermon, it's arduous. It's hard. It's 20 yeah. hours a week um, and sometimes more of just dedicated focus, trying not to get distracted. But it's in, it's an important thing to do. With that's going to come spiritual attack because mm-hmm. of how God works. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you feel the, the pressure um, of, of trying to get it right. Then you also feel the distraction of the enemy. You feel the pressures of the other things in the church. And so you've got to carve out time uh, to do so. So, yeah, there, there's some suffering there. I mean, that's before and, you know, getting ready. Uh, the delivering of the sermon, super fun. Um, and a lot of times I'm just listening to what God is going to say because I, I wrote things down, but I don't know what's actually, wow, that was like good coming out. Like that was the Holy Spirit working. That's great. And then it's af- after. And I think like many of the prophets that God used to as mouthpieces to speak for him is the word of God. They were afflicted. Yeah. You know, they were the uh, they were the lightning rod. You know, it's hard to go to God with something that you heard that's confronting your sins. So you just go to the person who spoke that. Yes, and I, exactly. I think people yeah. just do that. They no, just don't the they don't do it intentionally, but man, it's like, you know, oftentimes you can see that guy coming, right? After the sermon, you walk down and he didn't like something mm-hmm. and he's coming straight to yeah. you or or you know, you can read people's faces, they're preparing an email. Mm-hmm. You know, and man, that's some suffering a little bit. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's it's toward the ego and and some of that, and God's working out in our lives. But yeah, there's 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 suffering. I, I wouldn't I, I would say like Luke though, it's all worth it. Mm-hmm. Amen. And yeah, and I would keep keep doing. I'm gonna keep doing it yeah. until the Lord says you're done, and that's gonna have to be cutting my vocal cords because <laughs> I know this is how God builds His church. I know it's how He saves and sustains people. Amen. Yeah, and let me good. say thank you. Thanks, for, and I hear in your devotion to the, and all the prep that goes into the sermon. I hear faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I want to be faithful to this calling and mm-hmm. faithful to God, faithful to Christ, mm-hmm. and faithful to His Word and that Sunday sermon. So thank mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. and also recognize there's got to be a whole long list of things that uh, suffering that comes, and recognize mm-hmm. it's uh, you know not to just air that you know the, all the challenges, but recognize that there are plenty. And so I'm thankful mm-hmm. to hear some. Yeah, praise the Lord, Kyle. How about you, brother? Yeah, I feel like uh, as I think about what Paul's talking about here to Timothy with enduring suffering, we have very little of it <laughs> comparatively to the context. Huh. I mean, he preached in Philippi and it's like, put this guy in jail. <laughs> I mean, yeah. instantly there was it, accusation, there was suffering, there was stoning, there was beating. I mean, all of this was the response of the gospel advancing in the early church, like physical suffering that we don't really experience a whole lot of. But I think the rejection of man, um, the disapproval of man, mm, yeah. people coming up and saying, hey, here's, I'm going to l- uh, lobby a case against you why you're wrong because you were poking against something in my heart. 
Huh? I feel like that's becoming, I see a lot of it in our culture. And I also see in this text that we just read in second Timothy three, um, that, and there's a time coming where people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Uh, it is very tempting to preach to itching ears because itching ears will accept what you, if you give them something that they receive on their terms and then you get puffed up and built up because they go, Oh, I like what this guy's saying. But what about when you're preaching to people that don't want to hear what you have to say? Are you going to compromise the gospel? Are you going to compromise sound doctrine? Even when it's at cost to your own health, your own security, Mm -hmm. there's a a brother in Christ up in Canada who preached from Romans one and they tossed him in jail. Mm -hmm. I think that day's coming a little bit faster than we Mm -hmm. think it is in America. Mm -hmm. So we have to be mindful that there will be suffering through the preaching of God's word and to still hold fast and stand the course. And with that, you know, in this passage, uh, sound teaching, Mm -hmm. and it contrasts against, you know, false teachers Mm -hmm. uh, leading them astray and whatnot. How do we define what is sound teaching, Mm -hmm. Pastor Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's being faithful to the biblical text. It's actually teaching what the text says, Mm -hmm. and it's not skirting around it. Um, this is why expositional preaching is vitally important. Um, expositional preaching forces the preacher to deal with the text and connect it to its hearers. Uh, you know, there's other forms of preaching out there, um, preaching God's word. It's maybe a topical preaching, Mm -hmm. um, which is not wrong. Um, but if if it's not taking the text, but using the text to say something I want to say, then I've not done the hard work of expositing the text in its original context. So I may be saying, you know, I'm, I'm a sinful person. So, I, so if, if I'm doing that constantly, mm. let's just say suffering, and I find all the texts about suffering, I can pull those out to make a point that I want to make about suffering. I want to tell these people about suffering. Well, is that what those biblical texts actually say? Mm -hmm. What's the context? So Mm -hmm. topical preaching is fine, but that should not be the main form of preaching in a faithful biblical church expository preaching preaches through the text really making the main point of the text the main point point of the the sermon exactly yes all right that is actual faithful biblical preaching that type of preaching and there's more to expository preaching We we can allude on more but but really that type of preaching because that's, we're telling people not what I have to say, yes. but what yep. God has to mm-hmm. say. I can't avoid certain things. I'm going to have to address certain things that might be not popular in our culture. Mm-hmm. But that's what's best for the people of God. And that's how the Spirit of God works. Because He always works through His Word. Not through great communication styles. You don't need to be a great communicator naturally gifted to be a good preacher, a faithful preacher. You can also be a great lecturer and not be a good preacher. You can have tons of Bible knowledge and not be a good preacher. And you can be in churches leading large, large, large congregations and not be preaching God's word or doing what actually Paul is calling Timothy to do, preaching the word, being faithful. 
because maybe I'm using it for maybe something else. I mean, this is this is a big deal preaching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this may be a general question, so uh, forgive me if it's a little odd, and I'll ask you, Luke. Um, ultimately, what is it that you want when you're preaching, uh, hopefully accurately from God's Word, what is the outcome? What What is the purpose of preaching? I'll just tell you what I asked like 3,000 times during the preparation, yeah. is that the Father would so glorify Jesus that every person in the hearing would set their gaze on him and love him and know how much they love by him. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more that I pray and there's yeah, a lot yeah. more that goes into yeah, it. Good. But the ultimate thing is I want the people of God, just like we pray every Sunday morning back in that room, to, to literally within their hearts and their minds, looking ahead with hope to their savior mm-hmm. and actually trusting him. Mm-hmm. Because if, you, if you're not looking him or trusting him, you're not following him. Mm-hmm. And then discipleship's out the window and our whole walk with Christ. Mm. And so you, you only go in the direction of where you're looking to. And that's, we, we use the word of God to point to who it's meant to point to. And that's Christ. And that's, I want people to set their gaze on him. So when they leave that room, they're following Jesus. Yeah. Man, that's good. John, yeah. man, John Piper says this in his, uh, the supremacy of Christ in preaching. He says he, he was asked mm-hmm. and he's trying to explain preaching. He goes, expository exaltation. Yes. If we believe that all of scripture points to Jesus, Mm -hmm. he's on every page, then that's really the end game in preaching. That's why not all preaching you hear in churches is actually faithful preaching. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know, I wouldn't even call it preaching. I mean, you know, Madonna, she had a song back in the day, Papa Don't Preach. Well, I think back in the day we were hearing when she sang that song, a bunch of people declaring from behind the pulpit, this is what you do. This is what you do. This is what you do. Go do this. That's why she made that song. Papa, don't preach. Well, man, I wish Madonna would have heard the gospel from a faithful uh, expositor of the word of God, a faithful preacher. She would have said preach more because she would have heard all about Jesus, not about her and what she's supposed to do, because that's not preaching. Preaching is exalting Jesus Christ and showing people not only their need, but their glorious and great savior. That's why we pray every single Sunday morning with every person that comes in here that experiences this community of faith. And here's the proclamation of the word from the pulpit, from God's word, what they think and hear, they hear more about Jesus than themselves. And when they leave thinking more about Jesus than themselves. I think we've got it wrong where we, we, we try to say that there's a worship leader who does music. I think the preacher is the main worship leader on Sunday morning. And if you can't honestly from the heart worship God in your preaching, how are people going to actually follow what you're calling them to, to do? You're actually an example up on stage, worshiping, hallowing, loving, telling about the glorious things you've seen all week and calling them to come over here and see this. And so we are the worship leaders as we preach on Sunday morning, no matter who's up there, we're called to lead the church in worship because that's what we're created for to worship Jesus. So, Amen. Uh, a question for you, Pastor Kyle. And uh, in order to discern sound doctrine, as you guys just point out, you know, Jesus being at the center, uh, this passage in Timothy also talks about wandering off into myths. Mm. 
What, if you could define maybe some, where are some of the dangers or some of the false gospels that are being shared uh, in this day and age or maybe throughout history? Yeah, that's good. I I think specifically in this day and age, it's taking one aspect of the character of God or one aspect of the good news of the gospel and making it the entire thing and filling out an entire theology on God being good or God being provider or on the other side of that, God being judge or the gospel being Hmm. good news for sin. If taking one one aspect and saying, I'm only going to develop my theology and preaching on this one thing. It actually doesn't consider the whole counsel of God because Paul also says in the book of Acts, he says, preach the whole counsel, talking to the Ephesian elders, preach the whole thing, the whole counsel of God. You got to consider all of it. Don't just take one aspect of it. So we see in this current day and age, the prosperity gospel being a, being something that's suiting itching ears, taking one aspect of God being a provider, God being good and saying, well, because God is provider and good, he promises to provide good for you. That's actually what he promises. That's all he'll ever promise. And if you love him and know him, you'll only get good from him. Well, that's one tiny sliver of who God is without considering the whole counsel of God's word. So how does the whole counsel of God's word then counter prosperity? Will you first define a little bit more prosperity gospel and then how is that a to God's word. Yeah, for sure. I'll define it by a story. Um, okay. I was over in Kenya. I lived there for a little bit and I went into a, a, a church where there was somebody, um, somebody pulled up to the church and driving a BMW. They went to the front of the stage in this church in the slum in Kenya, a place called Kitengela. They had a coat on their back, like a big coat. And they said, God has given me this BMW and this fur coat because I have obeyed him and he loves me. Mm. You have AIDS and your children are dying in the slum because you're in sin. Repent of your sin and God will give you good things. The prosperity gospel says that when we're honoring and trusting God, that he promises to allow us to prosper on this side of heaven. We will get money. We will get wealth. We will get health. We will get prosperity. That's what it means to have a relationship with God. That's taking one aspect of God's character and one of his promises that he promises to do good to us and filling it out in unbiblical ways that doesn't consider the rest of the counsel of God because the rest of the counsel of God's word tells us about sufferers, tells us about who God is for sufferers, tells us that God allows suffering that we might know him more, tells us the purposes of God through suffering. Do you see that if you just take one tiny aspect and you preach topically on one aspect of God's word or one aspect of his character, you develop unbiblical teaching because it's not considering the whole. Yeah, that is um, why topical preaching should not be the main form of preaching if that church is desiring to remain faithful to God and his word and to help form faithful followers of Jesus. Because man, I can, there's felt needs. I mean, we, we, we feel the felt needs all the time of the people of God, you know, as under shepherds inside the church where we're hearing people suffering, we're hearing people that are um, struggling, you know, in their finances and in their marriages. And it's, it's really tempting Mm. as people who want to help them to just let's create a sermon series all about how to make your marriage great again. Let's just say that, or Right. Seven tips to a happy marriage. Mm -hmm. But here's how I have to go about that. Unless, unless I ground that in it, which, cause not all topical preaching is bad, but if, if I use 
verses on marriages throughout scripture and then create sermon outlines. Really what I'm doing is I'm using the text to say something that I want to say to tickle the ears of people. It can be helpful um, on some level, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be ultimately helpful because those people will leave really having heard some sort of law that if they do this, they'll get that. It's a subtle form of prosperity theology. Yes. It's, it's way under the current, but it has, it is, I believe because America is struggling so badly that the church has failed to preach the word of God. Mm-hmm. There has not been faithful preachers of God's word, preachers of the gospel have not said, okay, if we are going to do a biblical, you know, um, overview of marriage in this topical sermon series, let's ground it in Ephesians five and let's examine this text, these five verses, because there's not much about marriage in scriptures, but we do find it there. But let's, let's, uh, Let's exegete, let's exposit these texts. And they're, yes, going to speak to marriage, but but let's make sure we're grounding all of our sermons with what the main point of the text is, yeah. not popcorning scripture to say something I want to say. When, and marriage is a perfect one, right? Because there's these random texts that talk about marriage, but when we zoom out and consider the whole counsel of God and take a biblical theology approach from Genesis to Revelation, you see actually God's purpose for marriage. And when we did our Remade for Marriage series a few years ago, we zoomed out, oh, marriage is actually a picture of the perfect marriage that will come and has already been securely finished by Jesus. We will be united to Jesus as our perfect husband, as us, his bride, the church. Now, marriage earthly now, the one that we're experiencing is a reflection of that and is intended to be a picture of his love. We got that because we zoomed out and we didn't just take one thing and develop a whole theology based on Ephesians 5. We see how the whole counsel of God speaks to this. Mm. And I love that. And I, I would argue that the Pharisees, they were really good intentioned in trying to take one aspect of the law of God and they filled out an entire theology Mm. on it. They took one aspect. God wants us to obey him, to have a relationship with God means to fulfill the law. That's they believe that they weren't just crazies. They were trying their best to have a relationship with God. And they saw that they did that through right action and perfection. Well, they took one aspect and filled out an entire theology on it instead of considering the whole. And that's what we argue for. Expositional teaching is teaching in light of the whole counsel of God that guards us against myths and against heresies. Scripture tells us that um, the word is God breathed. Uh, Are there ever ways in which you are tempted uh, to motivate people uh, Luke breathed, Rob breathed words, Kyle breathed. Are, ways, are there ways in which you yourself feel a desire to motivate the congregation? And mm-hmm. if so, how do you navigate that? All the time. <laughs> I think we all have a different way of doing it, though. So I think for some, it might be getting loud and big and passionate that if I just yell more, then I'll be able to. For me, if I'm just... Uh, If I'm just intellectual enough or if I'm just empathetic enough, then I'll be able to motivate you. So I oftentimes rely on, okay, if I just do enough research, if I just present enough information, maybe some background historical text, maybe fill this out just intellectually, I'll cater to those that want that. And if I just emote enough for you in an empathetic way, then that'll move you to 
change. Uh, that's where I'm guilty of resting on those two things. And I, I, uh, every time I preach, I say, Lord, would the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you? Cause I'm pleading that God would guard me against myself. Cause I go to that all the time. Yeah. I think the reason why I always write two sermons every week is because the first one is like sewn in together with, you know, words of wisdom from Luke Mm. or saying, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't know it's there until the Holy Spirit reveals. And then there's usually a lot of flushing towards the end of the week and, and rewriting. And that's part of the suffering is God, you can't take away. This is so good. good. (laughs) Don't, don't take away. The story's awesome. uh, So he, he is, he is, this is, this is the truth. He loves us. Mm. He, we're his boys. Mm. We're just sitting on our dad's lap, listening to the voice of his son speak. Mm. And he ultimately, usually with me, he's like, you need to take all of this, usually like more than half of it, flush it down the toilet <laughs> and come back and trust me. Mm. And that's usually what happens. And it is nerve wracking every mm. time to, to take <laughs> away what I think in that moment is the best step because it's biblical. Mm. But there's parts of Luke in there, and I know it. Interesting. So kind of almost wielding the it, word or well, good truth in yeah, a way that you or, feel so. Or something that, that I've even used with somebody else speaking, and it was, it came out maybe even from him. Mm-hmm. But it's not for these people for at sure. this time. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. These people are alive in a moment. He knows all their hearts. He's calling you to speak the word of God to their hearts in that moment for them. And yeah. I'm going to use some garbage I pulled on some guy like three years ago because I think so it's going to work uh, on them. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Yeah. I'm so guilty of them. And I used to listen to other preachers. So I take a text and I listen to John Piper, Matt Chandler, Tim Keller before I did the study yeah. and God just nailed my heart because yeah. now I'm trying to preach like them because that moved powerfully in my life. Totally. And now I'm just going to use the phrasing or whatever. One, that's plagiarism. Yeah. Two, that's not relying on the spirit. And now like, I don't even care to listen to those guys, yeah. but that's because God's changed my heart because I traveled the same path as you, man. Yeah. yeah I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I think the temptation for any anybody that's communicating, you know, in a public forum, um, even those that are preaching the word of God, is to not let that word, and I think Luke started with this, to really penetrate our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is the first work and probably the greatest suffering of being faithful to God's word is that you allow the word of God to penetrate your heart. Amen. And that just takes, that just takes time mm-hmm. to allow the text to really understand the text, to really grapple with the text, to wrestle with the text personally, because expository preaching of which we are all advocating for and believe it is the, in scripture, the most faithful type of preaching that should dominate the, uh, the, the preaching of that church that has got a, but, it, but expository preaching is not just t- knowing the text, but it's also connecting the text to the lives of real people. For That's sure. actually yeah. faithful expository preaching that also exalts Christ, mm-hmm. but you've got to connect it to the hearts and lives of real people. Yeah. So how are you going to do that unless you connect it into your own life? Yeah. Amen. So if you bypass that area, connecting it to your own heart, praying for the people that you're, that God is calling you to deliver the word to. I mean, I pray for people by name, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to really understand fully what they're going through or really how this text connects to real people living in the greater Puyallup Valley until I really understand me. I live here. Amen. I have idols. Yeah. 
I, I need this to get into my heart. And so I think my greatest temptation is to not do that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, to craft a great sermon yeah. that people will like. It has some good, good uh, stories in it. Uh, people will laugh maybe a little bit. Um, they've been convicted. They've learned something new, but it's not connected to their heart mm-hmm. because, because they, they don't see it having connected to me. Yeah, that's way yeah. good, man. I mean, I, that's the hardest part. That's so hard. <laughs> that's, and that's my greatest temptation yeah. because that means I got to mourn my sin during yeah. that week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I got to repent. I've got to, I've got to wrestle with reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I was, you know, studying today for this Sunday sermon and I had to call five people and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's hard. And that that's that's like that's the hard part. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that is why God, I'm personally maybe maybe generally, but I know personally called me to preach. Because when I'm in the word mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm hearing the word and getting ready to proclaim the word, I I want to be faithful, not only to have connected that word, but to the people of God. And, and I can't do that unless I've let that word work me. Mm-hmm. That's good. Amen, man. I mean, praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit who convicts. And amen for the faithfulness to respond in repentance, confession, and calling five people for forgiveness. What ways have you seen your preaching or God work through your preaching in the people of gospel life? How about you, Luke? Man, I think it's I think it's like what you just said about all of us us really admitting um, that we are the broken ones, that we are the ones in need of a great Savior, and that He truly does satisfy us. Um, it's it's honestly it's what I've confessed my deepest sins, like my affair that I had when I was twenty one, suicidal thoughts, these type of things, and then point to Jesus as the one who has brought hope into this, you know, life and actually saved me from myself and from my sin. Um, yeah. The amount of stories of people admitting affairs after those sermons For coming sure, up and yeah. telling yeah. me yeah. the yeah. amount of people coming up and yeah. saying, Oh, I was addicted to pornography too. I've never yeah. told anyone. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. Yeah. Amen. And yeah. when we come off that pulpit, yeah. we're beggars. Yeah. And I'm glad you found some bread. Come on, let's celebrate. Yeah. Let's break this bread together, you know? So I think that's, that's it. And it's all gospel. Don't, mm. I hope you don't hear me saying it's my story. Mm. It's, it's the gospel. It's the good news for bad news stories. Mm. Mm. That's where I've seen God change the most is. Love it. Kyle, anything to add? Yeah, I think I have been amazed at when somebody comes up to me and goes, man, I felt like God was talking right to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so thankful for those moments because I remember that it's God's word that promises, as Isaiah 55 says, to bring about the response that God has for it. Mm-hmm. He's going to give it and it's going to bring about a response. And I mean, there's been times I remember a while ago, Tanya came up to me, Luke's wife, and just said, man, I feel like God was just like nailing me. Like, I don't know what it was, but that was just delivered directly to my heart like he was giving me the mail. And I, you must know what's going on in my life. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what's going on in your life. It was the Lord. But it's a reminder that it's God's word. And that reminds me, get out of the way, Kyle. Preach the word. God wants to do what he wants to do. But I think the other thing that I've noticed when I... When I allow the word to do a work in my heart as Rob's talking, and then I demonstrate 
the appropriate tone that the text invites us into. Mm -hmm. Like if we're talking about heaven, there's a tone of hope. If we're talking about sin, there's a tone of mourning. If we're talking about the gospel, there's a a tone of rescue and salvation. Mm -hmm. When I am allowing the word to work in my heart and then I'm demonstrating the tone appropriate to the text, it meets people in that same place. And that's been really cool. I've had people come up to me and go, man, I've never experienced so much joy listening to a sermon together because the gospel was giving me joy and they were sharing in that. I've never experienced so much hope before. Uh, So that's been encouraging to see when the gospel is working itself out in my heart that people join me there because they're hearing it for them as well. Mm -hmm. So as a church that believes in disciples making disciples, disciples and churches planting churches, if there are those listening that feel a call to preaching, or as you know, and you see others step into that role, how can you best instruct, guide, and pray for them? Pastor Rowe. Yeah. First thing would be, are you preaching the gospel to yourself? So good. Nobody talks to you more than you. Um, how, how is your life? Um, are you a student of the word? Do you love God's word? Are you, are you, are you reading God's word? Not for others primarily. Now that may be a desire, but you got to surpass that desire because, um, it's not how much God's word you get through or how much you talk about it's how much gets through you. So how is your life? going? Do you love God's word or not? Are you, you know, learning to exposit the text? Okay. Reading, not just, you know, open the Bible and point to, you know, mm-hmm. a scripture, but as we talked about in a couple of podcasts before, are you reading your text, the, you know, the Bible for yourself, expositing the text? Are you then, are you then applying it to your life? Mm-hmm. That's number one, so that you can preach the good news of Jesus because all, all preaching exalts Christ. So are you able to do that? And then are you able to, you know, tell yourself that before you tell anybody else, that's, that's number one. Uh, Number two is, is okay. You know, are, are, are you, do you have an audience of people? Okay. Have you started a Bible study? Have you talked to your community leader and said, Hey, you know, I'd like to kind of, you know, help guide people through this and let's take the text and let's unpack it. What does that look like? And so, you know, talking to your community leader and saying, can I help in this? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, going to, you know, your, you know, your pastors, you know, somebody's here at gospel life and they're doing those two things, you know, are they growing in sound doctrine? Maybe they need to be in an equip class where we talk about, devotion, doctrine, discipleship. Um, and then we have another class that's called aspire someone who's aspiring because we believe here at gospel life that elders are the ones who are entrusted with God's, the preaching of God's word. So what does it look like in that, you know, year long, uh, time with other men that feel like that they're called to that. They learn what it's like. Then we talk about what is expository preaching. How do we read God's word and then craft a sermon? Okay. Actually having a coherent sermon, one that has flow, that has points that are all connected to the text that are grounded in people's life. They don't stay way up here. Mm -hmm. And then they exalt Christ. How do you grow in that gifting? Um, it's more than, I I used to think, well, you know, Kyle's a good communicator. Let's just get him to preach. That's kind of how he started. (laughs) Well, that's kind of how I started. I didn't know how to preach either. I mean, I, preach a lot of bad sermons. Yeah. At least somebody told Kyle to stop doing it, <laughs> but keep going. Um, you know, I, I think the first sermon I preached, I saw somebody in the back row giving the, the next slash, like it's <laughs> over, man. But, but it's because I think we don't know how to preach. And I think, I think, unfortunately, many churches are full 
of of those that are trying to communicate but never been taught how to preach mm, for sure and uh you know so i i've wanted to grow in this area because i want to be faithful to the word of god and i really want to help people mm-hmm. and i see that the church got by god's design because he's the first preacher everything in the church revolves around the preaching ministry it's not the only thing but you can learn a lot about a church from the sermons yeah. that you hear because it drives every yeah, yeah. single thing. Not only does it save people, sustain people, satisfy people because they're hearing about Christ through the preaching, but you can go to, if you're discerning like what church should I be a part of, go go listen to a few sermons. And you will know that that is what's driving the rest of the ministry in the church. You might, you might like things that they're doing like outreach in the community, but if the preaching ministry isn't around the word of God, I would be very careful to participate and belong to that church. Even go there and put your family under that type of yeah. preaching because that's not necessarily what's, now people say a lot of things, but what they do is what they say from the pulpit. So what do they value from the pulpit? And so really examine that and, and I would say, you know, so being a church that's exalting Christ through the expository preaching of the Word of God, connecting it, and then, you know, ask to be a part of that and to grow in that. And that's something that I really feel passionate about is helping others preach. That's why, that's why personally, as the one that oversees the preaching of gospel, I share the pulpit because I want guys to grow in preaching. I want to help them learn how to preach. I want to provide that opportunity so we have more faithful preachers. So as we make disciples, we plant more churches that are centered on the declaration of the word of God. That's so good. We were in a class with Matt Chandler a few years ago, and we would all say, man, we really respect his preaching. And he told us, if you desire to be a preacher, go preach in your kids' ministry on Sunday mornings. Go be a classroom volunteer and lead a Bible study for 10-year-olds, for junior high kids. Yeah, man. If you can't talk to 10-year-olds, you can't talk to adults. There's no way. So if you want to, take every opportunity that comes your way. You mentioned, talk to your gospel community leader, talk to him tomorrow, ask for the opportunity to facilitate and say, teach me, help me go to your gospel life, kids ministry, your kids ministry and tell the director, Hey, put me in coach. I'm ready. I'm super green, but I want to learn. Take every single opportunity. And then the other thing that I would add to that, I guess two things. Number one, preach within the context of the church. I think in our age, the millennial yeah. generation specifically, we're having this rise of evangelists that are preaching on social media and they're preaching on YouTube mm. and they're preaching to a generic church, but actually they're not carrying any of the weight of shepherding and elderning that actually biblical teachers and preachers are supposed to carry. Yeah. You carry the weight and you preach from it, but there's this growing trend of, I'll listen to this guy who wrote this book or did this video, and now that's who he's preaching to, a generic Christian audience without carrying the weight of eldering. Be cautious of that because that's not the way that biblical teaching is intended to be. I would also say if you are a woman listening to this, you've heard us talk a lot about men. And actually in Titus, Titus, Paul tells, says to Titus, all right, teach what accords with sound doctrine. But then right after that, he says, women teach younger women. Women, you have a role to play in the teaching of God's word. And that's a whole nother conversation for us to have, which we need to have on complementarian theology. But we are praising God right now for the women at Gospel Life that are gathering in a regular way to declare God's word. There's a woman's gathering that's happened twice now where they come together, they open God's word and they teach it. And it's amazing. Women discipling other women with the personal ministry of the word. It's not just for the preacher on Sunday mornings. We're all 
giving the gospel and God's word to one another. So that's the little caveat that I'd give. A lot more to come with that, but I just want to make sure Super I mention good. that. Super yeah. good. Wonderful. Guys, thank you. And I think we see too in the, again, going back to that Timothy passage, you know, here's Paul writing to Timothy. We see Paul writing to churches mm-hmm. and, and those messages, those letters have gone on. God has used that. God has breathed those words out through Paul to churches and has continued to do that through men and through churches and through women, through deacons, throughout his kingdom and throughout his his church. Mm-hmm. Luke, our elder candidate, our local gospel life preacher, can I ask you uh, if you have any closing words and then pray us out if you would? I think my biggest concern for myself and the church right now is the itching ears. Mm. When it says teachers, it's not always talking about religious ones. And I think there's so many voices at, with these phones connected to us at all times that God has lovingly as the true shepherd placed us under loving under shepherds to declare truth to us, to lead the way. And man, if we are listening to YouTube prophecies or anything else and going in those directions, we're outside of God's um, good design. Mm. And so I just say, that's not, it's teachers. So who are you listening to? Mm. And be careful and go where God Put you mm-hmm. to listen, to grow, to love, and to grow together. And so, That's good. Uh, Father, um, hallowed be thy name. Uh, we are so thankful that you did not leave us orphans, but you came to us. You sent your son, Jesus, um, the word of God. And so um, we thank you for leaving um, your inspired word with us that's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, Would we all, please, um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would we all be your children who run to listen to their Father's voice on a more regular basis? Um, Would we love your voice? Would it be louder than all the other voices around us? Um, Would we go there for daily bread and encouragement? And then please don't let it stop there, God. Would you help everyone at Gospel Life, everyone listening today, would you fill them with your words so they can declare the good news to the others? Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, We thank you that we know because of your word that you're coming back soon and um, we're going to be with you in the blink of an eye. And so um, keep us looking to you, Jesus, and use your word to do it. Um, Just thank you for the faithfulness of preaching at Gospel Life. Um, Have your way. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to The Gospel Life. If you ever have any questions or would like to send us your comments, you can email podcast at glpuallop.com. Now, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation.